So no jousting yourself right now. What has this got to do with a half-full glass? You've just got to ask yourself one question. What do you know about Snatch? Okay, uh, welcome back to Wasted Potential Podcast. This is episode two of Glass Half Full. I am Ronnie, and with me always is my um, diamond-stealing partner, Shane. How's it going, Shane? Hey, how you doing there? Working it! <laughs> um, if you did not read the title, uh, we are doing a new episode on which film that Shane chose. If I can watch Snatch, if I can watch it, if I can great movie, what do you see? Yeah! What he said was, we're watching Snatch, what a great fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I'm back. Um, <laughs> God, uh, this film, I, it actually been a while since I rewatched it, and God, now I remember why I used to watch it religiously. <laughs> so let's, um, for those initiated in this 2002 Guy Ritchie film, Shane, what's the synopsis of Snatch? <sighs> um, okay. So a diamond gets stolen from a Jewish bank vault in Antwerp and through a very intricate spider web, a boxing promoter that is Jason Statham comes into the diamond. Lots of criminal shenanigans in the middle. Lots of... And um, everyone dies. Jason Statham. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, but yeah, this is a um, like a crime thriller from um, the Brit director Guy Ritchie, who's his 2000s. Just came off his The Heat of 1998's Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Is that what it is? Yeah, that was kind of what led skyrocketed his career. It's basically the same movie as this one. <laughs> Uh, I was going to get into that and say that all Guy Ritchie's movies, besides two of them, are literally just a remake of the same exact plot, same exact kind of characters doing the same exact thing. <laughs> yep, there's a MacGuffin, follow the MacGuffin, comedy and murder, MacGuffin ends up being with the original character? <laughs> yeah, basically, it's it kind of like, it goes all the way around and it's like, oh, this is pointless. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I wrote down when I was watching this, I, I said, smells like Pulp Fiction. I was like, it's very much in the vein of a Tarantino type of, like, thriller type of, like, non-linear storytelling type of thing. Yeah, it is and it isn't, but you, there is some ode to Tarantino or Tarantino <laughs> flakes in there. Well, what I wrote down was, like, in this movie specifically, you have, like, Bible talk. They talk about the uh, the, the Torah and the Catholic Church at the beginning Obviously, the gangsters. Mm. I put the MacGuffin, MacGuffin briefcase, and then I have menacing speeches. And then the only difference is this one's not ultra violent. I was noticing that there wasn't, there's like no blood really in this. There's a little bit, but not really a lot. I was surprised. Yeah, the violence is used sparingly and more as like a shock factor or like a punch note for the scene or the the point in the story. Yeah. Let's start the first question here. Um, when did you first see this film, Shane? Um, like any good family. I saw Snatch um, probably around 10 years old. (laughs) (laughs) If you all don't know, the first rated R movie I think I ever saw was Blade. And the first nudity I ever saw was Starship Troopers. And this is all before the age of 10. So I had a real (laughs) strong uh, parenting presence in my life. (laughs) But no, yeah, Snatch I think around 10 years old. And I 
it's like a movie that my uncle and I bonded over. My uncle, I owe a lot to um, my movie obsession. He made me watch Star Wars every time he came over, and then we'd watch Snatch every time we came, he came over. It was a weird... <laughs> Out of context, people may not understand. This is a loving, <laughs> great relationship. But um, yeah, no, my uncle made me watch Snatch. Can I also blame your uncle for Lost in Space and Wild Wild West too? No, that's um, kind of like someone introduces you to weed and then you go find meth or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't introduce me to those. That's my own damn fault. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he just introduced me to weed. That's it. I mean, not when I was Ted. Nor did he actually introduce me to weed. You know what? <laughs> this metaphor is getting off the rails. <laughs> um, I first saw this in how most fashion I saw in most movies was I was in college and then, or high school, I don't remember one of the two, and then you came over one day randomly. You popped in, knocked on the door, I didn't know you were coming over, and then you brought this movie over in DVD fashion and I watched it. I think that's how most of the movies I ever saw were because of you. <laughs> I introduced you to meth. <laughs> yeah, you introduced me to meth, um, also to cocaine, which is the movie Layer Cake, and, <laughs> um, and to um, Salvia, which is Lost in Space. Yep. <laughs> Hell of a drug, so, Thank Salvia. you. <laughs> um, and then uh, I had to get clean. <laughs> so we started a podcast. <laughs> yep, there we did. Second question is your recent reaction. What's your uh, since we were, I just watched it this morning. I think you did too. So what's our what's your recent reaction to this? So my recent reaction is probably more loving than when I was watching it as a chore. I don't know what happened, but I really just every month I would watch this movie for about like six years, and so I can quote every line from it. And it had probably been a year and a half since I'd seen it. And I reignited my love of it. I want to watch it again. <laughs> I just, something about the dialogue and everything, you know, watching it now, it's a little too convoluted for my taste. <laughs> but I was going to say when you're describing the plot, it's intricate. I was going to say convoluted for sure. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's kind of weird. It doesn't totally make sense. But the characters are so awesome that you for you're not really watching it for the plot. You really even forget about the diamond kind of. Like <laughs> you're just watching these characters make funny jokes and then move on. That's that's kind of my whole point of this is like I'm rewatching this and I I guess I know I have the same love for it now as <laughs> 10 years later after watching it originally, but I the the biggest standout is obviously the characters, the performances, I think are what keep it afloat because the convoluted plot and the i think terrible speeches they have in this are kind of annoying and oh and i hate the editing but i love the characters and i'm sure we'll get into that right now like the what are some your biggest takeaways from the film what are some of your biggest characters and stuff yeah um so when you we were watching it you texted me and we were going like it's so ugly or something and i was like i didn't really notice that before until now and that the filmmaking not the most impressive thing that I've seen and a little annoying. Maybe that's on purpose. The characters, my God, like <laughs> Jason Statham, just young Jason Statham. So amazing. Just low key playing it kind of straight. He always says the Germans, everyone calls their balls minerals. Uh, <laughs> it's so British. <laughs> 
Yeah, I learned a lot of profanity and Euro slang from this. Like, um, I wrote down a bunch. Of, my favorite one is uh, bla- uh, Blag the Bookie. <laughs> Blag <laughs> the, the bookie, bookie Minerals. The word pikey. So I learned a lot of fun little things. Wanka and uh, bollocks and all those fun things from this movie. It's a whole nother language, the London Underground, apparently. I mean, the best I could think of is it country? Would that be our... Like, what What would be our underground that would... I feel like our English language doesn't have nearly as much slang as British underground does. Like, every word is repurposed, apparently, and everything is a euphemism. I think slang is slang. I think we have as much obnoxious slang as they do. I, I just think it's so unique to us because I didn't know that the different dialects and accents and different like phonology in that language but i think it's kind of similar but i i once again i don't like i was listening to like a an interview with idris elba and he was and he's like a dj like part-time and so he knows a lot of that slang and like hip-hop stuff like that hmm. so he was explaining it like all these words and it's like i've never heard of these words but they sound just like what our culture does with like slang and stuff too but it's it's so fun to listen and then once brad pitt gets introduced he really the only reason to watch it and i think overshadows the rest of the movie i think the whole diamond plot is kind of meh because the pikeys do and don't have something to do with it they're kind of just agents of chaos Mm -hmm. in this which i it sounds smarter than the way i'm explaining it but if you really look at it you just go oh the pikeys don't even need to be in this they're only there so the dog can eat the diamond because they include a dog with all their business deals. <laughs> yes. See, like, those little things like that are what crack me up. Like, I think Guy Ritchie, he gets better over time. Uh, did you see this last movie from last year, Gentlemen? I still haven't seen it. Um, I've heard very good things. I actually enjoyed it, but it's just the same exact movie as this. But I think he gets better at filmmaking and editing. Like, the, like the editing in this is obnoxious to me and I can't stand it. But he, he has little, like, touches in his script that I like. Like, the... That, the whole pikey thing, which apparently he wrote that in just to get Brad Pitt in the movie. Brad Pitt was a huge fan of Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, but apparently Brad Pitt's not good at accents, which I don't <laughs> doubt. So then, so then Richie wrote this entire pikey thing just to give Pitt a like a role. So if it sounds convoluted, it's it is <laughs> because it's just I think he just goes kind of flying off the seat of his pants and writing these random things in there because he just wanted to get all these actors and characters in this ensemble of a film. Well, he's damn good at characters. I'll say that. Because, <laughs> holy cow, that's just a made-up character? Jesus. <laughs> I was going to say, like, my, my favorite thing about this movie is the comedic timing of all the actors and characters. Uh, my favorite scenes are Sol, Vinny, and Tyrone. I feel like they have, like, the best chemistry of the characters. It's context, if you haven't seen the movie, there's... They're, there's these three um, black characters who are hired. One of the many people hired to steal a diamond because it's, it's basically a, a convoluted mess of people trying to steal this diamond. It's simply it. Yeah. The diamond, people want it because it's an 84 karat diamond. And the three of them are just like back and forth, witty banter. And Tyrone's this big old fat guy that he gets, he's like the guy that someone brings in from like, uh, from like the getaway driver and he's incompetent. <laughs> and, and, and I love how they just constantly make fun of him. The three stooges. He's bad to the bone. Thanks you, Tyrone. Cool sign. Tyrone's going to be driving for us. He's done a rally driving course. Thanks you, Tyrone. Cool sign. I don't want that dog dribbling on my seats. Your seats? Tyrone, this is a stolen car, mate. 
while I'm at the wheel, it's my car. So stop that dog dribbling on my seats. All right? I can't believe you found it. Where'd it go? It went straight back to the jibbos. And how could it find them? Well, I don't know. I'm not a dog soul. Ask him. All the problems and all the jokes that you get in like uh, heist films are just all around these characters. They make every mistake in the book and it's amazing. Tyrone's the getaway driver and he weighs like 300 pounds. <laughs> and he says the greatest line, what the fuck can you get away from? <laughs> and I'm just like, it's amazing. <laughs> that scene alone is great. I like the framing because it's just a tiny car. These big old guys are in this car and it's just like, it's per I think it's perfectly framed and it's uh, perfectly acted. So the comedic timing is my favorite part of this. Yeah. And maybe as a child, I didn't catch how stupid they were, but my God, they're stupid. But they're just stupid enough that you're like, you know what? I know people like this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because the movie takes, takes place in the, for most part, London, like crime underground where every per Every character in this, every character is involved in a legal activity. There's not a single cop in this film until the very end. And then there's no civilians. It's just a bunch of awful people. So then when they all get blown away, you don't really care. But that's, I guess it's the whole point of it. It's just like a fun mess. So if you don't want to get hung up on convolution of plots and just awful human beings and yeah it's it's definitely a fun little ride for that oh, alone oh yeah and caveat here for anyone listening we're if you haven't seen it just go ahead because we're gonna just bounce in and out of the plot and as we do it it's gonna sound like a crazy awful mess and you're gonna be confused and like why would i watch this film mm -hmm. makes more sense when you watch it obviously because mm -hmm. as convoluted as it is it does bounce slowly so you can keep up yeah, the, the only detriment is you have to have a tolerance for British slang and fast talk. Turn on the subtitles. <laughs> or don't. It ruins Pikey when you turn on the subtitles. But it is, a, it is a fun game to try to understand Brad Pitt without subtitles on. Because I think the first time we watched this, we didn't have subtitles on. And I, and I think we stopped it and I said, turn the subtitles on. I don't understand what the hell they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm almost a hundred percent positive that on the DVD copy that I had at one point, there's a Pikey only subtitles. So like you can turn on Pikey, so then only when Brad Pitt's on there is a subtitle. Everything else is fine. So I think it's a fun touch that they put in the the DVD, I believe. Now there is a problem with pikeys or gypsies. What are you doing, Potter? Get out the way back. Can't really understand much of what is being said. You tell me. Come back to Cadron. He's thrown ill. Fuck man. Tell me, Mickey. It's not Irish. It's not English. How are you? Fair, the weather's been kindest for the horses, you know. It's just, well, it's just pikey. Fuck me. Just look at the size of it. How big are you? Hey, kids. How big is he? He's a big man, that's for sure. Hey, man. Come and look at the size of this fella. Bet your back's a little. Concert work. Ah. Uh, you look like a boxer. Yeah. Um, I love the side title. Just speaks gibberish. <laughs> yeah, right? At, at a certain point... Uh, I, I watch most movies on subtitles just because, like, my wife does it, so I'm just used to doing it. And then, literally, at some point, the, the subtitles drop out and just says gibberish. And it's kind of delightful. <laughs> well, uh, well, 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 once again, I like that, that Richie ties it into the plot because he says, well, Turkish Jason Statham says, Pikey's intentionally mumble so that these kind of screw you over in business. So then it's it fits into the world. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a purpose to it. And 
<laughs> they live in caravans or trailers. <laughs> They're like the trailer park boys, but Irish trailer park boys. <laughs> and they murder people. And that, that murder people. And are much more competent than they let on. Um, one thing I love about this film is it's unapologetically obscene and filthy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to pose a question to you is, do you think they can make this movie with the same exact script today? No. Um, they drop a couple F words, and I don't mean fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely wouldn't uh, make today. When I looked at it, it's like rated R for nudity. I was like, nudity? I don't remember anything. But there's like dirty cards, and there's like this random strip club scene. <laughs> yeah, that's... um. It's a really strange that they just just because I'm guessing just because they're in some kind of like strip club and they're in the background. I'm like, oh, there they are. Yeah, um, it definitely wouldn't be made today because um, no one today understands context apparently. Because <laughs> while they use like some pretty colorful language and stuff, <laughs> there there's no ill will behind it. You can tell it's just how they're speaking in a way. Yeah, I would say the, the certain, obviously there's certain words, but um, I was wondering, like, because I was seeing, like, t- the, the term toxi- toxic masculinity, I was like, I feel like Guy Ritchie's films are just toxic masculinity, right? It's just a bunch of men being awful. Good-looking suits. I think it's basically any, like, 13- or 15-year-old's wet dream of, like, what you'd want to be without any morals, <laughs> I guess is what it is, right? Well, you know, I mean, I... I'm going to take a stretch and say that in the criminal underground, there may be some toxic masculinity that prevails. Um, okay. I completely, okay, there. Under that context, then sure. Yeah. I'm sure, like, any, you shouldn't make a PC mob movie. That wouldn't make sense. No. Um, it'd have to be really well written and have some really good characters. And it would have to acknowledge its PCness in a way. But yeah, you can't play it straight pc because the mob's not pc so then therefore we wouldn't buy it well so so then by that logic then i think i think you could make this script then yeah i think so i mean i think it holds up obviously you know if you're a a gun all you see is targets or everything's a what's that everything's a nail to a hammer like if you're that kind of person then yeah you're gonna fucking hate this movie and that but as i say to that you should go melt yourself and you shouldn't listen to this podcast. Yeah, this podcast isn't for you. You dislike me. I dislike you. Let's just go our separate ways. Boogaloogaloo. Uh, what else do you love about this film? I could really. It's every time you go. It's the characters. Um, I do love the randomness of it, but that the randomness all ties together. Like Boris, the bullet dodger, gets out of the trunk and wanders through the street because he threw milk out because of their conversation. They crash. And then the Three Stooges crashes into Boris the Bullet Dodger, <laughs> yeah. who then goes and gets a grenade launcher. <laughs> yeah, I would say this, like, you, you mentioned it, Agents of Chaos, but I was thinking, like, this movie just revolves around random and then illogical, like, things. Just random things happen. Like, Tyrone just so happens to back into Frankie, and Frankie goes unconscious, and then Tyrone <laughs> just happens to see Frankie, and then... Tommy throws the milk out just by chance. It's just all these, it's random chaos. And I, I get what he's going for. It's just like, it's all random, but then your characters aren't agents. They're just 
floating around particles in the nebula of, of just <laughs> reacting to things around them. All chasing this diamond. So I love that bullet tooth Tony then just so happens to find people too. He just like he's <laughs> he like just makes a phone call. Yeah, he makes a phone call, but then he also just shows up when um Saul and Vinny are talking. I'm just like, oh he's there. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Just, uh, yeah, there's a lot of happenstance and they're like he's like getting paid forty thousand dollars to find the guys who blagged the bookie, but he just makes one phone call and he made forty thousand dollars just making one phone call. I, I guess he's also being paid to um Put the uh, put mullet's head in a car window and pretend, and po- and murder people and potentially cope and a dog. <laughs> uh, I I just love the the lore of the characters too. Like Bullet Tooth Tony got shot six times in one sitting, and then he pulled out a sword and killed somebody. <laughs> yeah, he's like you've gone fucked up now. <laughs> and like Boris the Bullet Dodger or Boris the Blade, you can't kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Except when they do. Except when they do, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it took how many... Re- that scene was so funny. They're just repeatedly shooting Boris. He's like, fuck you! <laughs> Shoot him again. He's like, you almost got me. <laughs> <laughs> Only problem with with Boris, I noticed this time that I didn't notice in the previous times, is like, he's an insane Russian, because he's like an ex-KGB person, so he has like... And uh, Turkish says he has more... Um, these nuts than those nuts. Yeah, there it is. What yeah. it is. He says more nuts up here than down there, or vice versa, whatever he says. And I'm just like, how does a crazy Russian like not run a business still like that? Selling guns that don't work. <laughs> yeah, no, right? It's these are fun touches that have no basis in reality. But if you're and we might sound hypocritical like saying this, but like if you just want a fun character movie, then then this is what it is. It's simple as that. Guy Ritchie is unapologetically like, this is my movie. Love it or hate it. And I think people are very divisive on a lot of his films. It's got a bit of Monty Python to it. And it's not just because they're both British, but just the <laughs> random whimsicalness of each character. <laughs> oh, and also the absolute absurdity. Yeah, it's completely absurd, but played completely straight, which is the fat man could have taken some fucking notes from this movie <laughs> like this is how you take something serious but not serious at the same time yeah where your consequences are serious but then you're um then the the subject matter is goofy which um that's that's well that's my biggest detriment to this film is the editing especially in the very beginning when like the titles and the screens are flipping around and moving it looks like a comic book and the jumpy action editing mm-hmm. is it borders line on absurdity to a point where it hurts it it's like um there's a scene when um this is twice the scene where um avi played by dennis Farina, who i love cousin avi is talking <laughs> to um frankie and like they're uh, he's talking to him and and it shows frankie's face and it cuts back to avi and Frankie's being dressed, and then it cuts back to Frankie again, and the dialogue is still going on, and he changes his hat. And it goes back to Avi, then it goes back and changes his pants and his shirt yeah. and his hat again. It's like, it's like okay, I know what you're doing, but it doesn't make sense logically. And then it happens again when uh, Turkish is talking to Tommy about the chasing the rabbits. They're having a, a dialogue that lasts 30 seconds, but they travel 10 minutes. I'm like, why are you doing this? It, it confuses me, and it's it's... I guess it plays into the absurdity of the entire film, but just weird and off-putting to me. Yeah, there's some touches that I didn't notice, but now that I'm kind of looking at it more critically, um, the scene where Brad Pitt is getting beat up, 
and he gets like the <laughs> knockout punch and he falls into water. I was like, what? This is so out of place because the rest of the movie doesn't use this like extreme symbolism or anything. It's unnecessary. It takes you out of it for a second. And it doesn't even make sense considering the plot that the Pikes know what's going on. So Brad Pitt's intentionally taking a dive and gets up. So it doesn't make sense metaphorically. Like, because in the reality of us, the viewer, you can see how Mickey is like overwhelmed because his mom is dead and he's threatened and he's losing a fight. But in the reality of the double cross, he knows what's going on. So he wouldn't be overwhelmed. He's cool. He's, he should become collective in his mind. Right. The emphasis on that punch should have been on Jason Statham. Like, there should have been some sort of, like, camera shot on them to reacting to Mikey going down. Because then you could do that quick cut back where Mikey's knocking that guy out. Because it's more about their reaction. They're the audience for this. They're seeing it, what we're seeing. So when you give us to Mikey, makes for, I guess, a cool shot, but unnecessary yeah i think what separates richie from tarantino is i feel like tarantino's second film is pulp fiction and this is um richie's second film pulp fiction is the essence of cool without trying well i feel like snatch tries really hard to be cool it, it does try and the i don't know how to put this because it's just a way of doing it but the random soliloquies that they all have mm-hmm seem weird now a little out of place while in pulp Mm -hmm. fiction they feel maybe because tarantino makes you spend as much time as you would at a diner like Mm -hmm. as they do so obviously these conversations would come up or they don't feel as uh natural as when tarantino's big random diatribes come about yeah look at all the fancy words i'm using i guess I, i guess i should say fuck now but um, <laughs> I think the best example of that is um, oh, fuck, uh, there's so many names and so many characters and names are so ridiculous. Um, Bullet Tooth Tony, mm-hmm. I think his speech is obnoxious and awful, and and I I don't think is aged well, and I don't think it's just because of the terminology. I just think it's right. stupid where he's talking about like dicks and pussies and balls. I'm like, this is bad. You're obviously the big dick. No, no other side here are your balls. Now, dicks have drive and clarity of vision, but they're not clever. They smell pussy, and they want a piece of the action. And you thought you smelled some good old pussy, but you've got your parties muddled up. There's no pussy here. Just a dose that'll make you wish you were born a woman. Like a prick. You're having second thoughts. You're shrinking. And your two little balls are shrinking with you. I think Bricktop's speech works because he's talking about the pigs and that kind of relates to what's going on. It seems a little more, like, thought out as opposed to seems like some idiots giving a weird metaphor about dicks and balls to, like, situation there. Yeah, uh, it makes sense for Bricktop because Bricktop is supposed to be this kind of emperor character. He doesn't do anything. He just talks, and it's scary because of what he can do. Not really him, but... Which, I always have a weird idea. Like, he has all these scary men around him, and he's just this brittle old man. I guess you couldn't get mm-hmm. his money, because it's, like, in a bank account, you need his name. I never understood that. I'm like, why didn't... But, oh well. 
So, yeah, he gives, like, these great speeches, but Bulletooth Tony is someone who got shot six times and stabs people with swords. Um, he doesn't need to make some grand speech. He needs to yeah. stab people with swords. <laughs> yeah, because he has no problem killing other people. I I guess in the logic of reality, you don't want to leave a body count, but he has no problem leaving a body count previously. So Yeah. Also, a nice touch uh, with Boris. I never noticed it before, but... I was like, Boris is crazy. He walks around after he shoots Benicio Del Toro with the tea cozy on his head. (laughs) He's like, you can't use my name, you fucking idiots. And then he pulls a cleaver out of his belt. And I was like, oh my god. He just walks around with a cleaver instead of a knife. He even had a holster for it. Like, I was like, his character is just, it grew on me before, but now he's just like, I'm there. I'm full Boris. (laughs) <laughs> well that and then after the, he gets out of the uh, after after he's hit by a car he goes back home and grabs an ar and just walks down to the pub where they're all happen to be at and then just like threatens to shoot up everyone so yeah he's a he's a very least he's a colorful character <laughs> very give me a name no oh, no boris boris the blade yeah as in boris the bullet dodger why do they call him the bullet dodger? Because he does his bullets heavy. I was going to say, I think the best thing, I think this is like an inside movie for you and I. We quote this so many times. So many of the, the great like lines, like uh, it was two minutes, five minutes ago. Yeah, two minutes Turkish. Like We quote we quote that for the podcast all the time. This movie is so full of so many lines that are, <laughs> just become inside jokes so quick. <laughs> and if you haven't, if for the uninitiated, it's <laughs> like, what? uh one of our favorite ones was um when um the scene is turkish and tommy are talking to mickey and mickey tells him uh he he needs to buy a trailer for his man his man his what (laughs) his man (laughs) you said that ten thousand times (laughs) well it's funny because like you say it you say something unintelligibly that the peanut gallery translates for you by yelling it at you (laughs) they do it a couple times where he's like what, what do you say? Is it there? <laughs> do you like ducks? Dags. What? Yeah, ducks. Dags. Do you like dags? Oh, dogs. Sure. I like dags. Oh, and then uh, one of my favorite lines is Dennis Farina says, Shut up and sit down, you big bald fuck. I don't like leaving my own country, Doug, and I especially don't like leaving it for anything less than warm, sandy beaches and cocktails with little straw hats. We've, we've got sandy beaches. So who the fuck wants to see him? <laughs> <laughs> Doug the Head, who's a Jewish diamond dealer who's not Jewish, but <laughs> tells everyone he is and makes his family Jewish. I know, it's so delightful. <laughs> but like Once again, those little things are what I, I guess keep me coming back to this film. Because the first ten minutes of this movie, I was irritated, but then once I got adjusted to the editing and the characters, where they're like, oh, there's some great lines they have in this one for sure. Oh, and I also say um, to my wife all the time, fuck you and all. So then she and I always say that to each other all the time. Fuck you and all. Fuck you and all. Which, which is apparently a Britishism. I didn't know. I mm. remember hearing it from this one. I heard someone else say it too. I think a comedian said it once. And then the last one I wrote down was, never underestimate the predictability of stupidity. Uh, that's a good one. So a lot of great little lines there. So I, I think Guy Ritchie does have some great dialogue. It's fun. I used one on my wife and uh, she 
just still looks at me because she hasn't seen the movie, and I just keep using it. And she goes, "Would you like sugar?" And I go, "No, thank you. I'm sweet enough." Oh, there you go. <laughs> she's like, one. "So no sugar." Yeah. Do you know what a nemesis is? <laughs> Do you know what nemesis means? A righteous infliction of retribution manifested by an appropriate agent. Personified in this case by an honorable cunt. Me. Oh, God. All day quoting this movie. Fun factoid that I didn't know. Did you know that this is a TV show? Snatch? Yeah, 2017. Someone made it to a TV show. That's unfortunate. As far as I know, it's still running. I have never seen it, but I was just kind of looking up things for this movie. I was like, oh, it's a TV show. And starts um, the Harry Potter kid, not uh, uh, Ron Weasley. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. That's my exact reaction, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, did you know Ocean's Eleven's a TV show? And you go, what? Yeah, it's called Leverage, and it sucks. <laughs> Speaking of which, what a great segue. I was sitting here listening to this this morning, and I was like, and it plays a song called Clint Diamonds. The artist's name is Clint, and the song is Diamonds. And I was like, oh, this is still music from Ocean's Eleven. But I realized that this came out before Ocean's Eleven. So Ocean's Eleven stole music from this, and it's not the same song, but it's a very similar sounding song where it's like... But but Clint's Diamond is not in Ocean's Eleven, so they stole a similar sounding song. So I was just like, the soundtrack is similar. So then I went on to a deep dive to figure out who the composer is, and they're different composers. So I have no idea. It's the weirdest thing. Because... Now that you bring it up, I was thinking about it as I watched it. I was like, this has a very Ocean's Eleven, not look. Ocean's Eleven looks better, but a feel. Yeah, it's the editing. Because, like, it's those um, uh, fade-outs and those cutaways are very stylized like that. I think it fits the Vegas vibe better, and Soderbergh kind of does it more naturally. But I was saying, like, I don't know if Soderbergh watched this. But also Brad Pitt's in Ocean's Eleven. This is a weird kind of thing. There's there's so much. Maybe just Soderbergh is a real big Guy Ritchie fan. or I, I don't know. Uh, last thing about the shots, though. I Did you notice a lot of crooked shots? And I'm sure it's done on purpose. But it was throwing me off this time. The Dutch angles? I don't... Is it a Dutch angle where you tilt the camera? And yeah. you're looking like your head... Oh, well, there you go. A movie podcast where I didn't know what a Dutch angle is. It's okay. I'll... I'll, I'll I'll edit this together so it makes it sound like you're intelligent. You're good. Hey, I thought that was a sex position for the longest time, so. <laughs> Never mind, and you ruined it. <laughs> now, staying in. now it's all staying in. <laughs> Give him the old Dutch angle. No, I didn't notice Dutch angles. I noticed a lot of interesting framing where they get a lot of characters in a little framing all together, and I think it's like cluttered, but I like that. I think it works for the this big ensemble thing. It's a cluttered movie. <laughs> For sure. Okay, um, last question here is, what is one thing you'd want to change about the film? Like, we're trying, we're being a little negative. I'm trying to be as positive as possible, but I think we're kind of noticing the problems here. But what's one thing you'd actually want to change, if you could? I don't want to change much about this film because it's just so fun. Um, I would take away Bullet Tooth's 
um, long speech I think is unnecessary. I like everything else with him, but that pub thing, I think it maybe changed that a little bit. Maybe that, that scene where Mikey gets punched into the water, that's unnecessary. But other than that, I like the beats. I like the characters, and I don't want to change that because I don't want to ruin it. Um, I just want to tone down the artsiness of it a little bit. It's unnecessary. My thing is a personal thing. I don't like narration, excessive narration in film. And I feel like the entire plot device is Turkish is telling Doug. I don't even know if he's telling Doug this. He is. He's, we're listening to like his inner monologue. No, no, he's telling it out loud though. Because at the end of the movie, it comes back with Doug sitting there and then... It's his inner monologue, but it's also a plot, like a framing device where he's telling Doug all of this. So it's confusing and I don't like it. I feel like we could get and understand the entirety of the world because Turkish's monologue is mostly telling us details about the crime world. But I feel like we can gather everything we need without it. So I think it's unnecessary, but I also just have a dislike of narration and excessive monologue. Not monologue, and sexual narration in movies. Ronnie wants that fourth wall well and intact. If you're making Deadpool or you're making Fight Club, the fourth wall breaking makes sense. If you're and you're intentionally doing that, I just don't think that it works for all movies, like Snatch and Enola Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Enola Holmes. <laughs> I think that's all I have. But um, damn, damn, your body hit for a shot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I. This is your film. Your this is your choice. But I'd recommend Snatch if you. If you've never seen it before and you're into like crime movies, you'd like it. If if you're like a, a dad who likes crime movies, this is definitely a, a dad movie. Like it's got a feel for it. It's not like Goodfellas quality, but it has a, a crime feel to it. Oh yeah, it's no Goodfellas, uh, but it's fun. I For some reason, I keep wanting to say it, it's like a fish called Wanda or named Wanda meets Tarantino, but I don't think that makes any sense. So, <laughs> well, it ties back into your Monty Python type of like your connection earlier. John Cleese would fit in this movie very well. <laughs> <laughs> you was know, interesting. I was reading IMDb, and uh, originally Richie wanted Sean Connery to be Bricktop. Oh, that would be interesting. And uh, I like who he has because he's got those big glasses. He looks like a nerd, but he's terrifying. And those ugly teeth. Oh my god, I can't can't stop staring at Bricktop's teeth. I'm just like, ugh. I'm just staring at it like I can't even notice like those big old green glasses, but um, apparently <laughs> Sean Connery is answer because he never, he's never heard of Guy Ritchie, so they set up a whole screening for him and showed him Lockstock Smoking Barrels because they wanted to offer him the part, but he didn't know who Ritchie was because I guess Sean Connery for some reason picks and chooses his movies oddly, which is weird, but whatever. Moving on past my own personal... Pers- Makes sense looking at his filmography. It depends, though, because he did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen but didn't do Lord of the Rings. But whatever. My point of discussing this is he told he told Guy Ritchie, you can't afford me. Wow. So you got <laughs> Brad Pitt. <laughs> Apparently Pitt just wanted to be in a Guy Ritchie film. Brad Pitt likes... Brad Pitt's like a... It seems like a very likable person to me, and he does things that he wants to do. You want to go on a tangent about Brad Pitt, how he makes Jim Jeffries appearances and stuff <laughs> like i don't know brad pitt seems likable well sean connery seems kind of like a curmudgeon hey, the world's better when you're beautiful right <laughs> this is right <laughs> after like fight club and he's so jacked and he's just delicious he's so hot 
I want all his tattoos. I want Looney Tunes on my shoulders. Is that what it is? I didn't even notice it. I, it looks like a Looney Tune, but then he's got like the Virgin Mary on his chest and the Last Supper on his back and dynamite sticks on his biceps or something. <laughs> it's just, it's beautiful. That's Snatch. That's Snatch. Well, that's that's it. So, what the hell are you still doing here? I don't know. It's a free country, isn't it? Well, it's not a free fucking podcast, so fuck off. <laughs> and cut. Same here. Okay. All right, everything's looking good. Did you did you even answer the the four questions or no? Uh, I was gonna let you feed them to me. I was gonna. Oh, I love how you don't prepare for anything. Okay, I, so I work. I, I'm too. I don't like to prepare. I feel tense and stuff. <laughs> it's like I'm wearing a tie and a collared shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I quit my job so I didn't have to follow rules. <laughs>